Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. You know, over the past year or two, I have been campaigning really hard to get a dog. Maybe today's podcast will help with that. First off, if you're new to this community, welcome. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. It's a show all about how some of the most innovative and interesting brands out there are mobilizing their masses and integrating the voices of their consumers into their marketing strategies. And we do this two times a week. So be sure to stay connected with us. I'll explain more about how to do that at the end of the interview. But today, we're going to be talking with the Chief Marketing Officer of Petco, Tarek Hassan. We have a great conversation about what they are doing to capture the full journey of pet ownership. I can't think of much more content anywhere that's more popular than that of pets or animals. Maybe food, maybe babies, but pets are definitely up there. And so Petco has a great opportunity to be leveraging its consumers to tell their own story. And Tarek talks a lot about how they do that, both from the joys of adoption and the great moments you have with the pet, all the way through to the similarly emotional but other side, that of the end of a journey with a pet. So I thought that was really interesting to tie that in. We also talk about more tactical things like how to get away from algorithms being the sole driver of what they do with regards to its customers. And of course, tips on how to become a more authentic marketer like you're all used to. I'm going to get into all of that right now and back away. So without further ado from Petco, this is Tarek Hassan. All right, everybody, I am here with Petco and specifically with Tarek Hassan. Tarek, thank you so much for joining the show today. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I have been trying to convince my significant other to get a dog for a long, long time. I am glad that hopefully by the end of this, I'll have some backup because I'm hoping that we can get all into the stories of pet parents, as I've just learned is the, the right title to call uh, your consumers, uh, and, and their wonderful times with their pets and, of course, everything that you bring to light. So a preemptive thanks for that. Well, by the time we're done, you're still not there. Let me know. I'm sure we have a couple of things to help you. Uh, <laughs> I, bet you I bet you do. I bet you do. Um, good. Now she's going to listen to this. So let's start with you personally, um, and your journey to this point. I was doing a little bit of digging. I saw you had definitely a lot of experience with folks like HP and Bank of America. And now here at Petco, harnessing that love for fur babies, what about Petco drew you in and, and, and convinced you to come be part of the team? You know, it's interesting. That's a great question that ties not only into the work that I do, but really where I am in my career. Um, I, I'd say that there's three things that drew me to the opportunity. Um, as a business, I love transformation. And this is a company that not only is going to undergo and is undergoing significant transformation, we're capable of it. And the opportunity is so fantastic. And, and so when you see the opportunity to drive that with an organization that wants to do it and has the opportunity to do it, that was sort of piece one. Um, piece two is I came and I, I got a chance to be part of the culture. and you know, I work with people that get up every single day, whether it's, you know, in our 1500 locations, our partners that are there to support pet parents and their pets, or whether it's in our you know, support center, these folks get up with one mission every day. And it's improving the quality of lives of pets and making sure that those parents have what they need to give them the best life possible. And that, that's just a pretty great world to get up to and do from a purpose perspective. And then the third piece is, um, 
a chance to come back and work with a leader who I've worked with in the past. And, and when you have had the opportunity to work with a great leader who inspires you, who mentors you, but also gives you a lot of room uh, to go and create, um, that's kind of a great combination. So a great business opportunity, a great culture to do it in, and a great leader to work for. Yeah, isn't that great? You're able to come in with a familiar face, even though the brand, uh, in terms of its inner workings, may not be so familiar. That creativity, or perhaps that freedom to be creative, I'm sure has uh, helped you immensely with the way in which you move freely internally. And to ask a question immediately following that, I kind of want to know the, the the principles that that drive you in terms of the way that you foster this brand out. And, and, and the reason why I say it is because to me, and I don't know if this is on track or not, maybe it's not, but I think about somebody who is your consummate consumer of some of the organizations that you were with previously. And then I think about pet lovers and pet fanatics. They just seem different to me. I don't know that they are. In fact, you might surprise me and tell me that they're not, but I want to know sort of what has translated well from those industries or your leadership of those brands and um, what you are able to do with that. And then maybe something that's new that you've learned along the way, because I'm sure I'm sure you're always learning. Well, look, I think the, if you go back to the beginning of my career, I started the first half of my career in the advertising world. And, and there I was a, a strategic planner where you are constantly in the heart of the customer. Um, and so the ability to understand the customer, what motivates them, what their needs are, is something that's been universal for me throughout my career. I've worked in categories um, that are unbelievably paralleled to this, uh, including working in a number of uh, consumer product goods categories and dealing with food. And, and when you deal with some of the things we're doing here as an organization around nutrition and the products we carry there, there's a tremendous amount of, of uh, parallel. In particular, having spent a number of years working uh, with PepsiCo and their health and wellness brands and what we're trying to do here to create a health and wellness uh, company translates really, really closely. I've also worked on a number of brands that have to deal with kids and parents and the analog between the human reality of how we raise our kids and the things we want to do for our kids translates very directly to the way we want to tra- uh, raise our, our pets and, and create a quality of life for them. And so there are a tremendous number of analogs in terms of what I've done later in my career, the time spent at HP, um, the importance of understanding both technology and data and the role that they play are at the heart of the strategy of what's going to help us differentiate ourselves as we move forward. Um, because we are truly moving to a place where we are creating an experience that surrounds the whole pet and really helps that pet parent manage their entire life. Um, and data and technology are critical for how we how we do that. So. There was analogs from what I was doing in my world of HP. Um, and then ironically, you wouldn't think there'd be a direct link to spending time in a financial institution, but there truly is. I, I learned a tremendous amount at my time at B of A uh, and Merrill Lynch around, again, how do you leverage data, both from an acquisition perspective, but also uh, from an engagement and understanding the value of customer, lifetime value of customer, that is very applicable to what we're trying to do here as we start to understand not only that customer's relationship to what they transact and buy from us, but understand the actual relationship they have with their pet and try to get to a place where we understand what those needs will look like in the future and how we support those needs. And so really starting to develop that same sort of lifetime value model has been very applicable from from what I've done there. What was surprising to me 
is not what I guess I'll say this. What was surprising to me, but isn't really surprising about the category, is more surprising that the players in the category haven't haven't really engaged in it, was just how powerful the emotional value of this category actually is. The amazing relationship that pet parents have with their pet, the depth of it. But what's amazing is that marketers in the category haven't really untapped that in a way where we've driven that relationship to those parents in a way on an emotional level rather than just on a transactional level with them. Um, and so I was frankly a little surprised at its absence. Honestly, a little happy about its absence because it gave me a place. I bet, yeah, because you saw the opportunity to break through. Absolutely. And so to be able to create a differentiated brand um, that could connect with our customer, not only on a rational level, but really start to engage them on an emotional level, not only in terms of what our message is, but ultimately how we innovate and how we how we meet them where they need to be met in terms of the offerings and the services that we provide for them. That's a super complete answer, by the way. I really appreciate the way you got all ends of that. I thought I might have lost you a little bit, but um, that was great because it educated me on some things that I just like maybe stereotypically did not assume. Yeah, you're right. I did not put a bank customer together with a pet lover. I mean, obviously, there's a huge Venn diagram where there's people in both parts, but the way in which you would think about it, I mean, like a customer lifetime value thing, that's not even something that I thought about, but I should, obviously, because, you know, people's pets live on for for a long, long time. And obviously, there's got to be a great relationship there, not only with the pet, but with the brands that support that pet. So so that was interesting. And then uh, of this relationship building, the nature of the relationship building being emotional versus transactional. I do want to get into that. I do want to talk about that because I think that there is a fine line which folks are beginning to, regardless of industry, draw and, and learn, maybe by crossing it. But I'll get to that in just one second. Let me start with these stories first because I, I think that um, you're probably privileged to have these super passionate consumers who their life in some cases revolves around the subject of the, the products and services and offerings that Petco delivers. And that means that stories get told all the time. I mean, is there really anything more popular than an Instagram post with a dog? I don't think so. And that means that you might, you guys must have millions of stories coming through. I want to know if there's a way in which you actively encourage that, a way in which you proactively capture it, um, and how you get those catalogs of raw, authentic moments, I would say, vulnerable moments too, because it's sort of like raising a kid, how you build a catalog of that, because that's got to be excellent fuel for this fire. It is on a number of different levels, um, and the stories come in from a wide range. So we're obviously very active in social. And we have our, our social channels stood up, whether it's Instagram or whether it's Facebook or, you know, active in the, in the, in the Twitter sphere. So we're present and we're engaging and, and, and continuing to build out a community there. And, and honestly, it's a place I think the brand at one point had much deeper dimensions around the community. Um, we're going back and revisiting that and there's work to be done there, but it's critical and we're building that out. Um, but the stories also come directly to us and they come to us not only from our customers, but they come from us from our partners in the stores as well. And when I say they come to us, um, I mean, they literally come to the desktop of CEO. They come to each of us individually um, with the connections through social. You know, I get tweeted at, <laughs> um, I'll get LinkedIn. Sometimes they're, they're stories of seeking help um, from customers who maybe don't feel like either we've delivered for them or someone else hasn't delivered for them. Um, and other times they're just stories of gratitude. Um, and sometimes they're stories of sadness. 
um, and, and loss and the role that we played with them um, in helping them through that time. And so we're really blessed and that those conversations show up in a really, really authentic way. But the stories also come firsthand because the other part that's been very different for me in joining this organization is I have logged a tremendous number of miles in the first 18 months being here, going into our stores, spending time with our partners and hearing those stories firsthand, meeting our customers and hearing those stories firsthand and making changes in our organization based on some of the things that we hear firsthand. And I'll give you a simple one of a story that was sent into um, our CEO directly about what the implication of loss of a pet is and how we celebrate so much on the front end of the adoption side of it and, and, and the support of that, but that we don't really engage in, in the support of what happens when you lose a pet. That communication led to us as an organization and actually doing this within 24 hours, deciding that we would put a bereavement policy in place for our company um, and, and really put our, you know, if this is our mission, if our mission is to truly approach every single day with the mindset, if it's good for the pet, it's good for the business, then we have to be listening for what those things mean, not only for our customers, but how we apply them to our organization. And so literally it was a communication in the story of, of someone taking us down the path of them losing a pet and the, and the, and the emotional loss that came with that, that led us even to make a cultural change inside of our organization. Huh. So, well, walking the walk here for sure, but that's something that I didn't consider either. I'm learning a ton already. It's only been like 10 minutes uh, because <laughs> obviously, well, because, because I think about like, all right, that, let me go back to that stereotype of the popular Instagram post that I just mentioned, picture of a dog. Well, what kind of a, what kind of content, what kind of message is that post stereotypically meant to have? Well, it's probably of a dog like frolicking through the yard or, you know, sleeping on the couch or something like that. Something cute, something nice. But there's this whole other side. It's a reality to having a child, having a pet, anything comes with loss. And so that sort of gripping emotional side too. It's not just emotions in that it, oh, it makes you feel all nice inside. I mean, maybe this would too, but there's a certain, well, there's just a different color to the other side that is equally powerful and that can be extremely positive even in an event which is not so. So I'm glad to know that, that those are just as influential. In fact, in this case, probably even more influential than, than your general post of like, oh, look at me and, and Skipper here. But that is a great, that's, that's a great story. It's something I didn't expect. Look, I think, I think what, what, I, what I would tell you is one of the fundamental differences about how we're approaching the business, yeah, ultimately the brand, the experience, <clears throat> is if you look at the industry, like many industries, um, it tends to have a veneer of, you know, sunshine and roses. But having a pet, is like you know like what it is to be a parent there's a reason we use the parenting analogy has all the ups and downs and roller coasters that come with it the joys the frustrations the sadness the anger the i have no idea what i'm doing and we are going to become a company that not only helps our partners under our parents understand that we have the knowledge to help them through that but we can also be there for them in those emotional places where where they need that support and we're going to show that part of it. We're going to put a real authenticity and a reality on how we show up. It's not always easy. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, and it's not always about, you know, the eminent loss. That's a horrible and sad time. But it's the frustration. I don't know what to do. Or there's all this information coming out at me. You know, this most recently, 
there's been issues around nutrition and, and it leaves, you know, leaves parents not sure, what do I do? How do I make changes? 90% of parents say they want to feed their pet the right food, you know, less than, you know, just under 50% know that they actually are. So there's an incredible role that we can play to support them to do that. And I think this is true of most brands today. We have to show up authentic. You have to show up with purpose and you have to play a role in that customer's life that is well beyond simply turn right aisle four, you know, product on the right. Agreed. And a perfect segue into that relationships question I was going to ask before, because you mentioned, um, well, suggested a line between that which is a truly authentic relationship or an emotionally driven, and obviously plenty of emotions here that we've just covered, relationship and a transactional nature of, of, a, of a buyer and a seller here. Um, where in Petco's mind or in your mind is that line? And also, you mentioned that it was sort of good that you assessed a difference between the way Petco can be and the way that perhaps others in the category are. I want to dive into that disparity just a bit and learn from you as to how those two sides, which you know are important from a personal and from a professional aspect, mesh. Yeah, it's critical. Um, and in our case, look, at I, I won't deny the fact when you're a brick and mortar retailer, you have to think about how you're going to evolve in a digital driven world, in a data driven world, in an experiential driven world to have value for your customer. Simply having the same products on the shelves that can be purchased in either mass retailers or other retailers or online, what's your point of differentiation? And so, you know, I've said this often, you're, we're not going to beat the algorithm of Amazon on just a pure transactional play. We have got to have a different value in our customer's mind in which they reach for us that is based on a relationship of authority, confidence of our knowledge, support, accessibility, and the ability, yes, to then deliver to them with many of the conveniences that you'll find within the digital world. So yeah, we're doing the two-day delivery. Yes, we're doing buy online, pick up and store. Those things will continue to accelerate like they're in the rest of the world. We're doing repeat delivery. Um, but you have lots of choices as to places you can do that. And so the question becomes, why do I turn right? Why do I click on you versus somebody else? And we believe that unlike any other, we have the ability to surround that total understanding of the pet as well as its total needs. And so for us, we very quickly not only talk about the items that you can purchase from us, but the way you can engage with us on critical services for your pet. So we currently have grooming, we currently have training, and we are in the midst of scaling out one of the largest uh, scale increases of in-store vets so that we can really have a relationship that understands, if you will forgive the pun, you know, head to tail understanding of your pet. This is where the nice. role of the data, this is where the role of the data becomes really important. Um, if you spend time on our app today, you'll see that you are currently in a position where you can start to share a deeper understanding of your pet, how old they are, the breed, the size. Increasingly, we'll have an understanding of the transactions you're pur purchasing. Um, if you're working with us from a medical perspective um, or even outside, if you want to add the data, we'll start to get a view on the pet's health. Um, and over time, we will start to get a complete view of your pet in such a way that we can help you uh, manage the life care of that pet, whether it's reminding you maybe you've missed a pest, uh, you know, a flea and tick uh, 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 treatment, 
or whether you missed a vaccination, helping you ensure those vaccination records are in one place. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's managing the life of that pet. And, and like all of us, we're busy and, and having that support is really, really critical. But we're also taking it a step further. We are, we've, we've taken those components and we are just completing a, uh, an in-market test right now around a membership offering where we've put all of our, where we put benefits of our services and our merchandise together into a monthly subscription model that gives our customer a very clear understanding of value saving they will get from it. And that dollar value is nice. But what they really get is a fully managed relationship with their pet, where we will be able to help them manage the, the day in and day out aspect of their pet's life. So it's, you know, it's, it's in a weird way, the forcing function of the digital world has helped us reinvent ourselves. Um, and we are incredibly advantaged, unlike many retailers, to have a number of those elements in place so that we're not just dealing with commodity merchandise, but rather having other elements like the services that start to allow us to create a different relationship with you. It's 360. It's full, full service, full cycle. And that is something that, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's usually a marketer, a parent would say total care and understanding. <laughs> right? right. Okay. And there, and yep. so if you can get that, if we can get to a place where the belief is that Petco has a deep understanding of what's going on with my pet, ideally from adoption right through to helping them when that pet leaves this world, that's a pretty strong relationship and the ability to create real value with them. And then ultimately, if they decide to bring another pet to their home, extend that value further. Well, give, given all that, it seems pretty clear that, uh, well, an algorithm's good, but can't do all that, at least not yet. Um, and that's also helpful to the next question I was going to do, which is around how you're building one-to-one -one relationships and getting more direct. It seems through that subscription model, you'll be able to get a lot more personalized because you get a lot more information. And if you want to talk data, sure, that as well, it seems in a first party method too, which is, I think, probably better than your typical cookies and tracking and clicking on ads and stuff. Um, Not only better as a business, it's required going forward. A company who cannot build first party value has some real challenges ahead of them as the privacy challenges continue to, to come into place, as, as they should. It puts an accountability on us to ensure that we're doing what's right for our customers. But I talk a lot to my team about we have a responsibility to work with our partners in the organization to create true sign-in value, right? That signature and that decision to digitally imprint and join your community is going to have increased value over time. And there better be something on the other side of that sign-in that provides them value, or they'll use LinkedIn, or they'll use Facebook, or they'll sign in with their Apple Pay. It's right. We as organizations have to provide that value, or there's no reason to actually give it to you. I've spoken with a couple people because, well, this is something that I believe personally that over time, though it won't necessarily be able to compete with the mass of a of a Facebook or a Twitter or something like that, brands kind of, in a way, have to become their own platform. And I imagine that companies like Petco based in California probably felt this first or at least did something about it first before others. But with developments like um, depersonalization of sponsored posts on social, the deletion of third-party tracking cookies by tech companies, that these walled gardens will continue to rise and those walls will get taller. So I'm glad that you're thinking about that and that the first-party value is such a priority because I think that 
Well, again, you're right that if you can't see it or if you don't prioritize it, you, you're going to run into some trouble. You're just not going to be able to compete in the long run. You won't be able to compete either in in value of wallet or value of heart with the customer. Right. Let me touch on value of heart for a second because those stories that you that we talked about a little earlier, um, the, the positive in one direction or another, uh, around that familial relationship, have you seen opportunities or have you done this where you, you take these stories of both sides of that and have been able to amplify those from real consumers? And um, forgive me for not knowing the entire nature of the marketing strategy that you have, but I have to imagine, given the importance of these stories that you've just told me and the fact that you cherry-picked one, which was actually not about the adoption process, but about something different, how are you guys using that as a brand at scale to be able to relate and to say, hey, we know that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. We know that this other piece of the natural cycle exists. Have you been able to do that and leverage those stories to your advantage? Yeah, I think it exists in a couple of different ways. First of all, the brand is constantly listening. And so, you know, it's not always in the form of a story that's sent to you as well. It's sometimes it's catching stories that are out there. Um, I'll give you a quick example of one that happened in the last week. Um, we happened to catch in the social sphere um, a group that was doing fundraising to get crates to Puerto Rico to help in the uh, disaster, you know, disaster relief as it related to the numerous animals that are displaced in a, in a place of disaster. In this particular case, they had an order of crates that had been canceled by a, a competitor I won't name. Um, we heard about it. We reached out to them and we let them know we had them covered. Um, and, and, and we got those crates to them free of charge and got onto Puerto Rico. So part of it sometimes is just listening and being present and understanding what's happening in the environment. The other thing that we have that's an incredibly powerful part of not only the stories, but the way we engage in communities and leverage those stories is the Petco Foundation. It's an organization that does just a tremendous amount, not only in terms of the lives that we save on an annual basis, but the dollars that we raise to help those um, shelters and help foundations, to, uh, using the foundation to help those organizations do the work they need to do at their community level. You can imagine the number of stories that come out of those at, on the ground local relationships with those shelters. And we're leveraging those stories constantly, whether it's in the continued support of fundraising uh, for the foundation or discovering unique stories within the stores, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, we, told, we told a wonderful story last year, uh, but we were doing a, uh, some content on our groomers to give people a better understanding of sort of the human care that takes place with our groomers. Found a wonderful story uh, about a, a gay couple who had adopted a deaf dog. And when they brought the dog in to get groomed, there was a whole communication challenge. Well, our, one of our trainers worked with the couple to teach the dog sign for training, then trained the groomer on the sign language so that the groomer could use sign uh, for that dog to have a positive experience because grooming can be a pretty anxious experience for pets. That story was something we captured and, and yeah, we went out and told it. So, you know, part of it's listening. We have a community that's very active in sharing them, whether it's the foundation or through our partners. And then it's making sure you're authentic in how you use them and, and make sure that you're using them in a way that is connecting uh, parents. So there's a, there's a variety of ways we're approaching that. Well, that's great. And not only to, to know that it is helping from a pure branding perspective, but also to know that it touches on the, the, the purpose side and the, the community building or, or rebuilding as the case may be. And to know that that's, it, it serves as inspiration for a whole bunch of different things, not just a, a, a straight up business goal and, and whatever that means is really important. Um, and 
it it leads me, although I think you might have might have told me a little bit of this just in that last answer you gave, but it's in one it's in the closing question that I have, right? And this is around advice. You you have shared with me and with us, the listeners, over the last twenty five ish minutes, um, a number of fantastic stories, and you've shared principles that have guided you along the way, all the way here to Petco and beyond. And what folks tune into this show for a lot is not only those stories, but also advice on how they can probably, Tark, emulate your path and emulate Petco's path as well. So when it comes to maybe just starting on the path to getting more emotional, however you want to define that, or building more direct relationships or building a what generally is a more authentic brand, I mean, what are the first couple of steps that folks can take? Or if that's too obvious of an answer and it's just something like, listen, what is maybe an, an unexpected or maybe a piece of tough love advice you might give to those folks? You know, I think one of the challenges we face, <clears throat> whether you're a founder or whether you're a brand that you've grown over time and as you continue to scale, is actually hanging on to the thing that you do in the first place. Um, most founders develop companies out of an insight, out of a need, whether there was their own need or whether they saw a pain point in somebody else um, that they wanted to alleviate. And how do you hang on to that as a, as a recollection? How, do you, how does that make that true north stay present um, as you scale? and continue to motivate you. I think um, the other things I would say might feel a little obvious, you know, stay present. Are you connected with your customers? Are you connected with them in a variety of ways? In our case, um, spending time in the field with our partners, frankly, many of them who would rather spend time with the parents and their pets than they would with any of us from a business perspective, keep us grounded um, and they keep us authentic and understanding what we're doing. The other thing I would say is um, you have to be prepared to challenge yourself. And normally it's best to be doing that when you're comfortable rather than when you're up against the wall. And often spending time with your customer can help you understand what those things are to challenge. And if you're not going to be brave enough to basically get up and fire yourself every single day, or you're not going to have the courage to fire your best employee if they're not willing to go where you need to go, um, you create additional barriers for yourself that eventually will catch up with you. And, and so, and I'm not talking about transformation for reckless sake of just changing for the sake of change. It needs to be thoughtful. It needs to be considerate and it needs to be done with a perception of what the value will be for your customer for your organization, and for you as a leader. Though all three of those have to come together um, because just doing one and not the others, you'll end up with imbalances at some point. That is uh, unique. I actually don't think I've, I've, I've ever heard that before. It's like if you're not, if you don't get up in the morning and you're not prepared to fire yourself or fire your best employee, that that is, that is cool. Um, because I always assume and I'm sure folks that found companies just assume that, oh, challenge yourself. Okay, great. Well, how do I go and do that? Well, maybe it's also looking for challenges. And you mentioned looking for challenges, which is why I say that. Um, to be proactive in that search is also really great. So thank you for that. And I think it's easy to look for challenge. I think you have to, that's why I say it's important to bring this back to yourself as a leader. You have to create an environment where it's safe to pursue that challenge, where people can feel great about making really, really smart, responsible mistakes, but have tried. 
and that becomes a really critical component of it as well. Hmm. Well, I super appreciate that. That's great. And um, the stories that you have shared today have given me a new thought about how to think about specifically brands that are emotionally driven through a, a, a life cycle, I mean, literally, um, and how to capture both sides well and how to use both sides and, and how to become sort of more emotional than just transactional. So um, for, for all that and for the guidance here, Tark, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks so much for the opportunity. A lot of fun. Thank you so much to Tarek Hassan for joining the show today. It was great to hear about everything Petco is doing, and I hope you continue to tell the full story of pet ownership through the voices of your consumers. If you liked this show, hopefully it didn't make you go woof. If you did like it, here's what you can do to stay connected, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. We're very LinkedIn-focused, LinkedIn-heavy. We have a showcase page there, Authentic Influence Podcast. Go give that a follow. It's where episodes will go when they're released. It's where clips from the show will go to tease talking points. And it's where other content will go now and again as I see relevant. I'm also there personally, obviously. It's LinkedIn. Adam Connor, you can connect with me personally and tell me what you think of the show. If you'd like to do that in a one-to-one context, I welcome it. Or wherever you're subscribed, Apple, Spotify, Google, feel free to leave a rating and review. That public show of support is very helpful as well. I'll be back again real soon with another fantastic brand and a story about how they're mobilizing their masses to become more authentic in their marketing each and every day. And until then, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.